morning, happy Sabbath, Merry Christmas Eve. Um, what a beautiful sea of red. I didn't get the memo today. I decided, I, I actually was deciding whether I should wear red, but I thought I would match the stained glass this morning. Um, why don't we pray? Lord, thank you so much for this gathering and that we have uh, the freedom and the reason to gather this morning. Lord, we pray that you'd give us eyes to see you and ears to hear you, Lord, and receptive hearts to uh, really listen and receive what you have for us today. Thank you, Lord, for your word and the reason why we are here today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So Matthew one twenty three. I don't know about you, but I get more reflective during the winter season. And I grew up in California, and we have two temperatures, warm and warmer. So when I came to, uh, when I moved here nine years ago, I was just telling Rod the other day, I was like, I've been here for nine years. So one of those was in Boston, but I was like, I've been here for a long time now, and I've really grown to appreciate the seasons. And so winter, fall, winter, I kind of move into a more reflective time. And you know, for obvious reasons, I often reflect on Matthew 1.23. Look, the virgin will conceive a child, and she will give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. It's that last portion of that verse that I find my heart lingering on more. And it has become not just God with us, but God with me. I think we believe in the omnipresence of God as a biblical truth. But do we really recognize his presence in our lives every day, every moment? There's a difference between an intellectual understanding of God with us and recognizing God's abiding presence with us. As I've meditated and studied this profound truth, I see that this theme, God with us, is captured throughout scripture from Genesis to Revelations. Emmanuel was not started at Christ's birth. It has been and is his relational stance with us from the beginning of time. God with us is God's heart towards us and his relentless pursuit of us to convince us that he is with us. He, God wants to walk with you God is for you, and God is so in love with you. So walk with me through the Bible to some key places that we can see this theme, this relational stance that God has towards us and see how time and time again, God not only tells us, but he shows us uh, that he is with us. You know the famous saying, actions speak louder than words? Yeah. Well, God manifested himself in various ways to get his gospel, gospel message across to us. Scripture is filled with this, so we will only highlight a few because they gave me 10 minutes. <laughs> okay, and then another 10 minutes later. Um, in the garden, we'll start in Genesis, right? Genesis 3.8, it says, When the cool evening breezes were blowing, the man and his wife heard the Lord God walking about in the garden. Do you guys remember the context of this verse? This is when they royally messed up, right? Like, they messed us all up, right? And even then, God was with them. 
in verse 9 it says, Then the Lord God called to the man, Where are you? Here's the truth, and listen well. God is with you even when you mess up. He still wants you. He will look for you. In the tabernacle, um, we see God's presence there too. One of the most clearest and most consistent ways God manifested his presence in the Old Testament was in the tabernacle. Let's go to Exodus 29, 42 to 46. For the generations to come, this burnt offering is to be made regularly at the entrance to the tent of meeting before the Lord. There I will meet you and speak to you. There also I will meet with the Israelites and the place will be consecrated by my glory. So I will consecrate the tent of meeting and the altar and will consecrate Aaron and his sons to serve me as priests. Then I will dwell among the Israelites and be their God. They will know that I am the Lord their God who brought them out of Egypt so that, here it is, so that I might dwell among them. I am the Lord their God. Notice what he says here. It's not italics, but I'm going to highlight it for you. I will meet you, he says. I will speak to you. I will dwell among you. In verse 45, it says that the tabernacle was consecrated, or another word that could be used as sanctified, by God's glory. This is his Shekinah glory, right? And the Hebrew, word, Hebrew root word for Shekinah is Shekan, which translates to to dwell, to settle in, or dwell with. But God had to do something first. If you look back on that verse, God had to remove his people from where? Egypt, right? Who brought them out of Egypt so that, what? I might dwell among them. So let me ask you today, what does God have to remove in your life so that he, you might experience God with you? You know, some, he had to remove the Israelites from Egypt, right? Like, he couldn't dwell among them. You know, I mean, sure, they, they still did all their worship and their traditions, but it was hard. And God said, no, I need to remove you from that. Sometimes God has to remove us, right, from, from maybe our jobs, our relationship, or our might be character, like our pride, right, so that he, that we, might be able to experience his indwelling with us. And we also see in the Old Testament, God revealed himself so many other times, right? To Job, he was in a whirlwind. To Moses, he, he was in an unconsumed flame of fire in a burning bush. To Balaam, through the talking donkey. To Elijah, in a still small voice. To Abimelech, Pharaoh, Nebuchadnezzar, he did it through dreams to Jacob, Ezekiel, and visions. Sometimes he revealed himself through mighty acts like the plagues, or he dried up the Red Sea, or he fed manna to the Israelites. I can go on and on, but I think you get the picture. These were all visible signs of the invisible God. God was and is consistently revealing himself to us so that we might be assured that what? God is with us. But sometimes that 
People did not recognize God with them. Sometimes they didn't even appreciate it. Sometimes they downright ignored him. Something in their lives was blurring their spiritual sight and dulling their spiritual senses. So I ask you another question today. What is blurring your spiritual sight? What might be dulling your spiritual senses? So apparently we humans still did not get the truth that God was with us. And he's supposed to be our God. All these visible signs of the invisible God were, I guess, not enough back in the Old Testament. So guess what he did? He sent his son in the flesh. Not the wind, not the fire, not the manna from heaven, not a voice, but his only begotten son. So let's turn to Matthew 1.23, the verse we started with. Look, the virgin will conceive a child. She will give birth to a son, and they will give him, call him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. And in Hebrews 1, 1 to 3, long ago, God spoke many times and in many ways to our ancestors through the prophets. When I read that, I kind of chuckled because I, after reading like all these different ways God revealed himself in the Old Testament, I feel like God's been like, I keep trying to tell you guys, right? And they're not quite getting it. So now in these final days, he has spoken to us through his son. God promised everything to the son as an inheritance. And through the son, he created the universe. The son radiates God's own glory and expresses the very character of God. And he sustains everything by the mighty power of his command. When he has cleansed us from our sins, he sat down the place of honor at the right hand of the majestic God in heaven. So, if you don't think you are needy, I'm officially telling you, you are needy. <laughs> okay. um, that's an official diagnosis, by the way. <laughs> because here's God over time and time and time again saying, no, I'm here, I'm really with you. I'm in the cloud right in the day fire by night i'm in the wind i mean he just keeps trying to tell us i'm going to send you some uh, my tangible son right and still we're somehow missing it he knew we needed him he knew he knew we were needy so he sent his son to come in the flesh that we might know the tangible full sensory experience of the reality of his deep love for us. So as Jesus grew up and entered into his ministry life, he did some spe spectacular miracles, right? Come on, walking on water, right? raising the dead, right? Healing the sick one after the other. Yet people still missed it. That God was right there with them. The Messiah they had waited for for so long and that they foretold about, they still miss that he was right there in front of them. Here's the great message in here. Don't make the same mistake, right? Let us not be like the Pharisees whose religio religiosity blinded them to the presence of God right in front of them. Don't miss the reality and the truth that God is with you and loves you. And here's his great love, and his great love for us 
and his understanding of our need of him and ongoing desire to be with us, what does he do? What does he promise us before he leaves? And what does he give us after he ascends into heaven? Do you guys know? He gives us the Holy Spirit. Acts 2, 1 through 4. On the day of Pentecost, all the believers were meeting together in one place. Suddenly, there was a sound from heaven, like the roaring of a mighty windstorm, and it filled the house where they were sitting. Then what looked like flames or tongues of fire appeared and settled on each of them. And every present, everyone present was filled with the Holy Spirit and began speaking in other languages as the Holy Spirit gave them the disability. Do you see the progression? Tabernacle, visible signs of the invisible God, right? Jesus in the flesh, right there, right? Holy Spirit in us, who is not limited by human flesh or time and space. He has taken permanent residence in you. The intimacy of God, the intimacy God desires with us is beautifully shown in this progression. God understands our human hearts. He created it. He understands our deep desire for intimacy. Our desire is really for him, but we fill it with so many false or less than desires, like success or grades or money or man's praise or awards or even relationships, right? But what we need, we already have been given. God in us, God with us all the time. So as we listen to a special uh, song, um, I want you to reflect on some of the questions um, that I have imparted to you guys this morning. And we will continue with part two. In the tabernacle, when we were lost in the wilderness until we got to the promised land. And then in Jesus, in the flesh, God with us. And the Holy Spirit, God in us. I believe God still is very present with us. So I've asked two people to share, because we talked about history. I'd like, to, I'd like us to really see how God is still with us today in many ways. And do we have the spiritual eyes and ears to see and hear what he's doing in your life and other people's life? Well, Jen asked me to share a few words today, so you know what I said? Absolutely yes, dear. So, <laughs> um, Let me back up a minute. So, so Jen asked me a question. She goes, you know, how, how have you seen God's presence uh, with you in this this last year, and uh, there's so many things I could share with you, um, but I wanted to share something that I guess it, it involves each of you in, in so many ways, and especially this church as a whole, and it kind of goes back, you know, almost 20 years ago now, we, we first came to this church, and um, and uh, we're, we're so welcomed and, and so uh, loved by this uh, church family that I'm so glad to call it my, my church home, but about 10 years ago, the craziest call came when I was asked to be on the school board. Um, if you knew me back in uh, my younger days in Battle Creek, um, probably the last person you would expect to be on the school board. Um, but I, when, when I was asked, I, I, I quickly put my thoughts together and, and said it's a chance to give back and 
perhaps show a little appreciation for, um, for my experience in Christian education and um, a way to maybe say thank you to my teachers, perhaps, that may never know. But one of the biggest blessings I've received is working with and volunteering with some of the most dedicated and wonderful people that have agreed also to volunteer on the school board. So a big thank you to each of uh, the members of the school board that have just made um, this experience uh, a real blessing for me. But little did I know that my faith would be so challenged and, and increased by being on the school board. And how you might ask is, I kid you not, almost every single year, uh, we, we start the school year off, a lot of planning, a lot of enthusiasm and all this, but I kid you not, almost every single year, we have an expectation of, of closing the school year off $50,000 in the hole. It one that's probably uh, the same this year, and, and, and I've, I've done this for almost 10 years, and, uh, and in no way do I want to be presumptuous, but, but I, my faith has been increased so much because year after year I have seen God's faithfulness through this church to support and through the support of so many of you that have um, allowed God to, to touch your hearts in a way to invest in this school. You know, certainly enrollment is never where we would like it to be, but, but I believe that, that the cause is so great and so worth it that you can't... Investing in children, I, 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 don't, I think, is one of the greatest investments you can make because you can't go wrong in doing so. And I think this God, God has used this church in so many ways, and I think he wants to continue to bless and grow us as a school and as a church family. There's two texts that often come to my mind um, when I think about our school. is Philippians 4.19. It says, My God shall supply all your needs according to his glorious riches. And the other one is Psalms 37.5, and it says, Commit your ways to the Lord, and you will succeed. So I truly can tell you and thank you to each one of you that God has been with us individually and as a church and as a school. So thank you. Happy Sabbath. Well, when she asked me, I said, I'll think about it. God with us. This is my story. I've been with my company for almost 10 years. And every year, we have to work on Sabbath. Right from the beginning, I let them know that I don't work on Sabbath. So I will work on Sunday. My current supervisor, I've worked with him for two years. What I have to do is um, a month before that time, I have to let him know that, hey, I'm not gonna be here, but I'll be here on Sunday, and all he has to say is okay. At this time, I went up to him and I said, just so you know, I'm not gonna be here on Saturday. He said, going forward, you're gonna have to come to work on Saturdays, just like everybody else. I said, why is that? He said, that's Brian's rule, that's the new manager. So I went to a different manager and I mentioned it to him and he says, I'll bring it up in the meeting. So a week later I was called in the office with the manager and my supervisor. And uh, I was presented with forms. A part was for me to fill it out and a part was for the church. So I said, okay, I'll do it. And right after the meeting, my supervisor came up to me and he said, Elsie, you don't really have to take it to your church. It kind of reminded me of 
the snake, the serpent. You don't have to take it to your church. You can just fill it all up, out and um, give it to me. Okay. And I did the opposite, opposite way. I filled out my part, and I brought the other part to the church. And the church gave me a letter for my job. So I was called in the office again. And then the Sabbath day was granted to me. I didn't have to work. So I happened to walk by his office. And I heard him saying, let's see if she's going to remember. So it was Friday. He asked me, towards the end of the day, Elsie, how would you like to work an hour earlier tomorrow? And I said, tomorrow? I said, Saturday? Sabbath? He said, yes. I said, well, I don't work on Saturdays. He said, well, you should. So um, right after that, I got sick. And Brittany is a witness. He did not make my life easy. So um, I went back to work, but I prayed every morning before I go to work. This is what I ask God. Please let them see, let them see you in me. Let them hear you when I speak. So I went to work, and um, I was calling the office. He was on the investigation. And most of the things that the, invest the human resource is investigating now, most of them are about me, but I did not report him. Somebody else did that. And on top of everything, beginning of the new year, he's no longer going to be my supervisor. God is with me. You see God's presence even today. Well, the story only gets better, right? In Revelations 21, 2 to 4, it says, And I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down from God, out of heaven like a bride beautifully dressed for her husband. I heard a loud shout from the throne saying, look, God's home is now among his people. He will live with them and they will be his people. God himself will be with them. He will wipe every tear from their eyes and there will be no more death or sorrow or crying or pain. All these things are gone forever. From beginning to the end, God desires, God's desire has always been to be with us. Can you wrap your mind and heart around this profound truth? That God of the universe has always wanted and will always want to be with you. That is love. God with us is not just a cute meditation or framed art we can hang during Christmas. God with us is a reality for us every day. Look and listen for him in your everyday. He is with you.